With technology consuming our attention and focus daily, what can you do to silence the noise to hear God's voice or that gentle whisper that is so often mentioned in scripture? What about hearing the voice of your spouse or kids that may be sitting right next to you? These tech gadgets are often promoted as great social connectors, but studies show there's much more to it than that. On average, a person taps, swipes, and clicks on their phone 2,617 times per day. Let that stat soak in for a minute. I thought about this one day and decided that it was time for a No Tech Sunday rule to rein in the tech and restore the family order. It sounded like a great idea, but implementing it was something else. There have been a bunch of studies done in phone usage, and some of those by various universities such as Yale, Baylor, and Harvard. I was looking at these stats, shocked by what I was reading. The average smartphone user unlocks their phones 150 times a day. We use a gadget 10 hours and 39 minutes a day and send or receive 94 texts per day. Can you believe that? 25% of adults wake up to use their phones in the middle of the night. 60% of college students say they are addicted to their phones. Ask their parents and they'll say the same thing. 75% of Americans use their phones while on the toilet. Please, wash your hands and your phone when you're finished. Is it just me, or do these stats just sound crazy? We're bombarded with social media programs like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's endless, and it consumes our time, and for the most part, our lives. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand it's not all bad, but there has to be a balance. And often the balance is way out of balance. One night I was sitting at the dinner table and it looked a bit like a scene from an electronics store. Each person of my family had tech in their hands or buds in their ears, me included. I've always got my mobile readily available and I often blame it on my work. After all, I've got to stay connected to be successful and to provide for my family. What better excuse is that? One day I came up with the brilliant idea of starting No Tech Sunday. One day each week where we put all of the tech away. No phones, no earbuds, no video games, no TV, no tech, period. The goal was to connect as a family with no distractions. Play board games instead of video games. Read books instead of watch movies. I also wanted to see if we still knew how to talk with each other. Face to face with no texting or social media. My lovely bride was all for it but warned me that this would not go over well with the kids. And she also gave me a suspicious look and asked if I was personally all in, since I'm just as bad or worse than the kids when it comes to tech addiction. I smiled and said, of course. And then I called a family meeting. My kids looked at me like I was from another planet. Dad, this is dumb. I don't know of any other family doing this because it's dumb. Gotta love the family support. I received tons of pushback, but I used my stealth-like leadership skills and my dad voice to convince everyone to try it. Sunday was coming, and I was just sure this was one of my best ideas yet for the family. Sunday morning arrived, and everyone turned in their phones and managed to slip in several sarcastic comments with eye-rolling as they put the phones in my hand. No one was on board with this idea, and I realized that there would be a period of tech withdrawal due to the habits we all created. 
Luckily, we had church that morning to break up the monotony and lunch right after, but it didn't stop the kids from grumbling. We arrived at home, ready to put the true no-tech Sunday experience to the test. With the kids' phones locked up, we were all set. Now, I still had my phone in my back pocket for emergency reasons only, of course. Such as the very important work email I remembered that I needed to send so my team in Asia would get started on it right at the beginning of their workday. It sounds like a great excuse, right? I pulled out my phone. I didn't even think about it. I just pulled out my phone to work on the message. And I didn't notice that one of my sons was watching what I was doing. As I worked on the email, he stared at me and then he said, Dad. I didn't respond. Dad. One minute, James. Dad. James, seriously, I need to finish this. What do you want? Is No Tech Sunday just for us kids? Busted. I put the phone in my back pocket and told James, Well played. He smiled and walked away, knowing he just roasted me. So what did I do? I quickly ran into the bathroom, locked the door, and finished the email. Can you believe I did that? I couldn't even play by my own rules. A little later, I went outside to the back patio, and it looked like a zombie apocalypse movie. Our kids aimlessly wandering around the backyard, twitching, not knowing what to do with their free tech time. I sat down with a book and a drink at the patio table and my son sat down across from me and slammed his hands on the table in defiance, spilling my drink and almost putting me into cardiac arrest, which may have been his goal all along. I looked over at him and said, What's wrong with you? Dad, this is literally the dumbest thing you have ever done, he said. This is stupid. I looked up at him, and then I looked back down at my book. He just sat there upset, fidgeting on papers in front of him, I was half hoping he would leave, but he didn't. Finally, I put my book down and I said, Hey, what's really the matter? Does No Tech Sunday really make you that mad or is something else going on? I waited a while and then I began to see tears well in his eyes as he looked down at the table. I could tell something was wrong. I said, Hey, buddy, go get your swimsuit and let's hit the hot tub together. He agreed. We sat in the hot tub together quietly, not speaking at all. When he was ready, he began to share some pain that had happened years prior when he was in middle school. I had no idea he was hurting this badly. He brought up how he was bullied by a bunch of kids that he thought were his friends and and wanted them to be friends, how they would tease and make fun of him and his size. He also shared how his best friend at the time was doing some things that were really, really bad and even showed him pictures of what he was doing. Those images were burned into his memory. His friend was eventually turned into the school principal. My son had to testify to what he had seen, and the kid was expelled. He felt like a traitor and that his whole world was collapsing. The only friend he really believed he had at school was expelled, leaving him totally alone. I remember what happened with his friend, but I didn't understand the heavy burden he was carrying this entire time and so many years later. I also had no idea that he was bullied, and this really made me upset. I don't know why he hid that from us. My son was the biggest kid in the class, height and weight-wise, and he could win any fight presented, but his physical size couldn't compare to the size of his heart. He was called the gentle giant for a reason. He liked everybody. He was nice to everybody, and when they weren't nice to him, he just took all of the crap. He did it with a smile, acting as if it didn't hurt him. 
Life was overwhelming and he was filled with fear of being rejected. As I listened, my heart ached for him and this burden. While one might think going to church and having a youth group would provide for the right friends and encouragement, the opposite happened there too. Friends turned on one another and the meetings and breakout sessions were filled with endless drama and pain. The the kids were encouraged to share their deepest, darkest secrets to the leaders and other kids. Now, there needs to be boundaries set, especially an emphasis placed on God's promises and a path to healing. Without this, there's no hope. And it leaves children and adults depressed and feeling alone. It was totally unhealthy. And to my son, it was just one more disappointment. God had let him down again. While we were in the hot tub unpacking all of this stuff, I believe God gave me a word for my son right there in that moment. I looked across at him and I said, hey, don't write your own story. Live the story God has already written for you. Let him pour you out as ink on the pages of a masterpiece. Page by page will show you God's faithfulness and how great his love is for you. When you become afraid, you may begin to grab the pen out of his hand and want to write your own story, write your own chapter, strategy, your own outcomes. And that can go bad really, really fast. I've done that in my own life. But God is so faithful, so patient and so loving that even in those times, he will not abandon us, but he will gently guide us back to the page and chapter he has written for us. He'll pick right back up where we left off. You've got to remember, I've got to remember that we are nothing more than ink. Stop trying to play the role of the author. Trust him. Stay connected with him and don't let the noise of this life keep you from meeting personally with God. He desires to meet you where you are, to give you strength to get through this life filled with hope and joy. That doesn't mean things will be perfect because it won't be. Life is really, really hard and people hurt you. What it does mean is that you're connected to greatness and that greatness is writing a fantastic story for your life. Psalms 139.16 says this, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All my days were written in your book before one of them came to be. Think about that. God has always known you. Before you were formed in the body, he's known you, loved you, cared for you, and written your story even before you were born. What a crazy concept. What a crazy love this is by the creator of the universe who calls you a son or a daughter. People will always let you down, but he won't. He sees us through all of those trials and he wants to give us strength to overcome them, but it can't be our strength. It has to be his. It can't be a story we've written. It has to be his story written for us. Fear and what others say about us often keep us from the story God has written for our lives. It can even cause us to run and hide so we don't get hurt again. There was a powerful prophet in the Old Testament named Elijah. He saw God do tons of miracles through his life, but in a moment, he became more concerned with what a woman named Jezebel thought of him than the powerful story God had written for his life. Fear filled him because this Phoenician princess, who was famous for killing off all of the Lord's prophets, was coming for him next. He was afraid even after he experienced an amazing miracle on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings chapter 18. That miracle apparently didn't matter, and he ran for his life and hid in a cave right after it. 
Elijah decided it was time to grab the pen, stop being ink, and write his own chapter in this story. Don't trust God. You do it. Even God wondered what the heck he was doing hiding in a cave and asked him about it. Elijah explained why he was afraid, and none of it was a surprise to God. He knew what was going on. But Elijah let his emotions and fear get the best of him. God didn't abandon Elijah in that moment, but instead met him right where he was. And he even told him, Elijah, walk out of that cave. I want you to go out and stand on the mountain, for I'm about to pass by. We started this podcast talking about how technology can consume our time, create endless noise, and even keep us from connecting like I did with my son that Sunday afternoon. That noise is real, and it often keeps us from hearing and trusting God's voice and instead focuses on what others say or think about us or maybe what they post on social media. Despite Elijah's fear of Jezebel and hiding in a cave, he still remembered the sound of God's voice. I respect him for this. Do you remember what that voice sounds like? In 1 Kings chapter 19, it says, Before God showed up, a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, listen, he didn't, he wasn't moved by the, by the mountains being torn apart and the rock shattering or the earthquake or, or the fire. No, no, no. When he heard the gentle whisper, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave to meet the Lord. Think about this preamble. How many of us would have been moved by the noise to rush out of the cave to see if it was God? Oh, wait, there's a powerful wind. It's, it's tearing the mountains apart. It's got to be God. Uh, wait, there's a crazy earthquake. God said he was coming. That must be God. Oh, wait, there's, a, there's an amazing fire. I got to rush out of the cave because that's got to be God. No, no, no. How many of us rush without waiting for the gentle whisper? How many of us rush to our gadgets to look at Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to see what others think of us? Are we moved or impressed by the fireworks and noise, or are we focused and desperate to hear his still small voice? Revelation 3.20 is one of the best examples of God's heart in pursuing us. It says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Uh, Don't read that too fast. The knocking or noise isn't what you should focus on. It's his voice, his gentle whisper. The noise is only the preamble for what matters most. It is only used to get our attention, but it's his voice that we have to hear, focus on, and trust. And that voice has to get us to move out of our cave, get up out of our seat, either walk to the front of the cave or open the door to let him in. That's what it's all about. Now, I want to challenge you. Go after his voice. I want to challenge you with the no tech challenge. It doesn't have to be a no tech Sunday event like my family. Maybe start with a day where there's no Instagram or TikTok or Facebook. Replace that time with spending time in God's presence, talking with him, reading his word, 
and soaking in his promises for you. Write them down. In an earlier podcast, I talked about sticky notes, the power of the sticky note. Write promises that you read, that move you, that speak to you. Write them on sticky notes, memorize those, fully realize those, and accept them as promises for you specifically. God has written a fantastic story for your life. Don't hide in a cave in fear of what others think or say about you like Elijah did with Jezebel. Can you trust God as the author of your story? Hebrews 12, 2 says that God is the author and finisher of our faith. Turn down the tech, the past, and even your pain and tune in to God's promises, and I know you will begin living the story He has written for you, and you'll begin hearing His voice louder than ever before so that you can boldly live life fearlessly. I'd love to hear from you if this podcast encouraged you today or if you need prayer for anything at all. You can reach out through email at fearlesspodcast at outlook.com or post a review of the podcast. I want to hear from you. We may not know each other, but I am praying and believing for God to show up in a powerful way in your life as you take steps to get to know who he is and to trust the promises he has for you so that you can live life fearlessly. Fearlessly.